it's Monday, and that so happens to be the day that I like to talk about monsters. I'm Jeff Arbuckle, and this is Monster Mondays, presented to you by Film Seizure. I'm going to do something a little bit different with this episode. Um, we're approaching episode number 100, I might add, kind of as a side note there. But um, this this time I'm not really going to use much of a script. I know it's probably hard to believe that I don't use a script when I do these episodes of Monster Monday because, quite frankly, I'm always you know, super duper like natural when I'm talking through these episodes. But I wanted to do something uh, a little bit different this time around because this is a independent movie that is a sequel to another independent movie. Now, a few months back, or some months back now, I guess, uh, I did talk about the movie Bloodsucker Jones. Uh, it's a hilarious comedy with uh, like a comic book kind of character guy who's also a real life person. <laughs> who uh, helps a guy uh, defeat his girlfriend's stepbrother and his gang of vampires that roam through this town. So uh, the movie was uh, successful enough to make a sequel. And actually, uh, if you talk to the writer and director, Justin Armeo, he uh, wants to make it a series of like three or four movies. So, uh, so it's all part of a series here. But uh, this time around, we have Bloodsucker Jones taking on The Creeping Death. Bloodsucker Jones versus The Creeping Death is the name of this movie. And uh, The Creeping Death are uh, zombies, basically. Uh, we'll get a little bit more to that here in just a moment. But anyway, um, because this is an independent movie that is a sequel to an independent movie, uh, I didn't really want to go, and it's also a comedy too, I should say, a, a pretty zany comedy at that. So I, I didn't exactly want to try to script out exactly everything that happens in this movie. There are some things that I will touch upon with the script that I do have that I'm basically throwing out, but I just kind of felt like it really wasn't going to encapsulate one how much I like this movie and how much I like both of these Bloodsucker Jones movies. But also, it's really, really, really hard to describe the comedic elements and comedy movies and stuff like that. So I decided to do a little bit different. But uh, so with Bloodsucker Jones, the original movie, uh, that was. Um, it was what about 90 minutes uh 95 minutes or so of just these kind of <laughs> hilariously cartoonish uh segments that were kind of built together to interlink together to basically form an entire movie um i i kind of look at it almost like a, a series of skits or a series of individual standalone scenes that when they're all pieced together it still tells one cohesive story well, you get a lot more of that in the second one. And I think one thing right out of the gate, I'm going to say this, I do love this movie. Uh, it is a little bit different than the first movie in terms of how it comes across as comedy. Uh, some things it does a little bit more of or a little bit better than the first movie, while other things I think the first movie um, had a slightly different feel or tone or grasp of something that they were trying to do. So keep that in mind as you... Uh, hopefully watch these two movies i know at the time that i'm recording this bloodsucker jones versus the creeping death is on amazon prime so you can watch it if you want um and i do definitely recommend that you do but th to really kind of describe why i like these movies so much uh it, it really kind of comes down to uh 
a, a few things that are things that I probably talked about in my review of the first movie on Monster Mondays. Uh, first and foremost, uh, you've got that Bloodsucker Jones character who is introduced as a comic book character, but who also happens to be a real live person in the world of this movie. So uh, right there, that, that does kind of tick a box for me of uh, kind of enjoying, you know, like the comic booky feel that these movies have. Uh, actually, they they rely heavily on a lot of comic book ideas. Uh, in fact, some of the episodic feel of each scene feels like a comic strip in itself. So I really, really appreciate that. Then uh, you've got um, <laughs> it, you, you've got this idea that basically everybody in the movie, uh, in both of these movies is essentially varying degrees of moronic. <laughs> um, even the characters who are kind of more with it, like uh, Christine, the, the girlfriend of, of uh, Armeo's David character, or um, the, the sexy sidekick of, of Bloodsucker Jones, they are even only cartoonishly smart in the sense that these crazy things happen around them, but they don't really react to them. So it's kind of that same idea where you know, the, the main people, the, the people that we are rooting for are cartoonishly stupid and are almost moronic in a lot of ways. Like they, they don't really have a great deal of uh, sense of uh, understanding of the world around them, but also manage somehow to get by. And it's kind of the same way in an opposite way where it's like, well, you've got these, these smarter side characters, but they are also... Uh, in the box of being in a cartoonish world. So they can only be so smart, if that makes sense. So then, um, you know, so then you have the whole black exploitation element of it. Uh, Bloodsucker Jones is exactly uh, one of those types of kind of borrowing from a black exploitation background that when you really kind of do it right, you can make some very, very, very funny uh, things with that character. It's very similar to Black Dynamite. Uh, that's a movie that I positively, absolutely adore uh, because it, it does everything just right and turns up the dial on everything just right to make it outrageously funny, but also um, being... Uh, not being offensive about it either. So it's really great. But in this movie, uh, in the second movie, I mean, they, they do kind of turn up some of those things as far as like the characters uh, doing and saying and, and kind of reacting in ways that a normal intelligent person wouldn't do. Uh, but they do it right. You know, it, it's these kind of characters. It's a continuing story. Uh, it takes place shortly after the first movie. The first movie ends with David winning... Uh, his girlfriend Christine while still uh, defeating her evil stepbrother and his uh, very brotastic uh, <laughs> henchmen vampire characters their pop collared um, uh, polo shirt wearing uh, kind of preppy vampires and now uh, and Christine <laughs> to, to win the movie Christine runs into her stepbrother uh, and he explodes. <laughs> He's just a skeleton on the side of the road at the end of the movie. However, it doesn't really matter because Stuart, her stepbrother, 
is in the same hospital recuperating from the final battle uh, with David. So and their and their rivalry continues while being in the in the hospital. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Days of Thunder, when uh, the the Cole Trickle and the Rowdy Burns character were in the hospital together, and they're still like their rivalry continues there. But um, the the thing is, is that somebody reassembled Stewart, and he is no longer a vampire because he lost all of his blood because he exploded like a like a blood bag everywhere so he's no longer a vampire uh but he's in the hospital with david uh and when david gets out of the hospital he continues on trying to have a relationship with christine he's still scared of her because he's a because she's a vampire he's he doesn't even want to touch her boobs or anything he's afraid that uh you know she'll eat him then when Stuart, all he wants to do is continue his plan to take over the world but it's so funny because you can never really quite know exactly what the what that means like it seems like he only really menaces a small group of people and even when he creates a bunch of vampires or in this movie a bunch of uh zombies it's not like a world problem (laughs) so it's always kind of funny to think about that in the sense that he wants to dominate the world but the world is very small to him. It, it, it almost, and, and the way that the characters are and the way that they act and the way that they kind of uh, interact with one another, it does seem almost like a high school kind of mentality where, you know, Stuart just wants to be the king of some hill, even if that hill is small beans compared to the rest of the world or something like that. So it's kind of a very high school popularity kind of feel to it. But anyway, uh, so each act of this movie kind of plays out as smaller jokey moments that then uh, kind of revolve and and kind of orbit one larger joke in each of the acts. Uh, But the acts do meld together into, you know, a pretty coherent story. Um, So again, like I say, I, I look at this as you can watch any one of these scenes individually and get pleasure from the scenes and get a lot of laughter out of the scenes but it's not uh, but you you know and you can do that without having to see any scene before it or any scene after it you still know what's going on there and that's um so it becomes very episodic in that nature i guess well um basically uh instead of tony who was the friend to david in the first movie we now meet timmy who's tony's younger uh better looking but slower brother <laughs> he's basically just the same character as, as tony uh tony in the first movie is not seen in this movie but he is present because he's just in the bedroom sleeping and he's been sleeping for months apparently so he is there he's just not ever seen um so you know timmy basically helps uh get uh, Bloodsucker Jones back into the game of, of fighting against the uh, uh, the zombies. There's a running joke about how out of shape Bloodsucker Jones has been since the end of the first movie. And I, I think, and I don't mean this offensively by any standard, because, look, we all get older and our waists do expand. I Trust me, I've had to buy new pants recently. But um, there is a certain real-world feel to that. The time is marched on, and both Stewart and Bloodsucker Jones are 
kind of out of shape. They're not. They they aren't what they were when the first movie was made. So uh, they they make a joke out of that. Like Bloodsucker Jones is constantly eating. At one point, he gets led into a trap by a trail of cheeseburgers. Um, Stewart is, uh, you know, Christine, his stepsister, makes fun about how fat he is, and then also that launches into a shot-for-shot remake of the training montage from Rocky Three between with Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed. But this time it's Stuart and Bloodsucker Jones. It's it's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen on on film, and it's hilarious too. Um, but it's only there to serve as a point where somebody, probably Justin Armeo, said, "I want to do that, <laughs> and I want to do it with these two characters." And then it it has no connection to the rest of the movie because it, during that time Stuart just happens to be hanging out with the good guys, but then goes back to the bad guys anyway for the for the final act. And uh, Bloodsucker Jones does not get back into shape until he has an orgy with a with the next door neighbors who are, happen to all be hot chicks. Uh, so stuff like that, where it's you know it, you're just being thrown all of these ideas, and it's really uh, it's just really really funny and really well well made. Um, again, it kind of comes down to uh, basically David having to defeat Stuart, but it really just ends up being Christine who does all the work anyway. Uh, at the, in the final uh, battle, so it's it, it's very much similar to the first movie. A little bit different. The jokes are slightly different in the terms that I think the jokes and and now I guess I'll get to my three likes about this movie. But uh, first and foremost, the jokes in this movie are a little bit different than the first time. The first time was just zany, just going for almost like uh, like a Simpsons episode where just anything that that will make you laugh will fly. This, uh, there are some setups in this movie that I think are hilarious. Like, there are plenty of things that happen. Like, in the first scene, there's a guy, there's a crazy guy in the hospital with David and Stuart who's rambling on about a cat on a skateboard. And just when you think you shouldn't remember that, the cat on the skateboard shows up and it's a real thing. So the guy's not really crazy. (laughs) Um, There are lots of things like that. Like, just things hanging out in the background, like uh, somebody has this insane painting of Stewart's face in close-up that he keeps on the wall behind him as he conducts vampire business with his gang. It's hilarious, and it's stuff like that that is just kind of there, or it's something that's set up early and then pays off later or continues to pay off just when you think you are forgetting that that setup happened. So it's a little bit more... Um, I guess you could say it's a little bit more uh, sophisticated in that manner, whereas the first movie was just going for physical jokes, um, you know, fart jokes, stuff like that, which is funny too, but a little bit lower brow than the second movie. Uh, just a little bit though, because it can't go too high brow, uh, because uh, that's one of the charms of this movie is it being you know as low brow and hilarious as it is. Uh, the second thing that I uh, really appreciate is that um, (laughs) it's this running gag that happens, particularly in the first act, where Bloodsucker Jones sends uh, David and Tony out to find uh, sidekicks. And we know what, what Bloodsucker Jones looks for in a sidekick. Pretty much a sexy, badass girl. And so he (laughs) <laughs> they come back 
And the first time they come back with a sidekick, only Tony has found one. David thinking, well, we are one unit, so we have one sidekick. And it's this ditzy cheerleader named Summer who can barely say anything more than just her own name in a thick Valley Girl accent. Um, She disappears at times and then shows back up. You think she's going to be eaten by the zombies, but somehow she survives. <laughs> and it's then the next time. So then Bloodsucker Jones says, "Well, no, you got to go back, and you both have to have a uh, sidekick." So when David comes back, he has a literal Muppet named Professor Googly Eyes, and the Muppet immediately antagonizes Bloodsucker Jones, even to the point where later Bloodsucker Jones gets mad at the puppet and throws it into a place where a bunch of zombies begin to eat the puppet and of course all of his guts and stuff is made out of yarn it's hilarious it's just it's it's the perfect joke for me the idea that a a living breathing puppet exists in this world (laughs) and then uh also tony loses summer so they come back with the sexy librarian chick whose only move is that she can she can like whip her hair around in slow motion, but that does nothing against the zombies and she gets killed. Later on, they find more, uh, they find these twin German Catholic girls to be their new sexy sidekicks and they die immediately. So it's just this whole string of like recurring jokes about having these sidekicks and then just, just, they just get these people killed instantly. It's just, it's fantastic. But my third thing, is the incredibly big left turn that this movie makes uh, towards the end of the second act. At uh, one point, Tony shows up with this shirt, which is a dolphin wearing a sombrero, saying, fuck yeah. And somebody asks him where he gets the shirt. So he's like, well, let me tell you. And it goes into this flashback of this mother sending her son off onto this like journey where he's going to become a man. This journey had killed his father and grandfather before him, but it's his turn to go out. And so, you know, he he struggles and he walks and he goes all this distance to get to the top of this mountain where he's met by this guy who's like this wizard character who basically just calls himself Gary. And Gary and his assistant Penelope uh, just are throwing things at this kid. And the the end of this training that takes four winters so four years is the shirt of the dolphin wearing the sombrero that says fuck yeah so then the kid goes all the way home and so you're thinking oh okay well tony grew up and he got this you know you got the shirt well at one point the kid falls down before he gets home and then when he gets home he's like mom i did it i did it i did it look at this this is how i did it this is the proof i did it and he's trying to get the shirt he realizes he dropped the shirt. Meanwhile, Tony is running away from some zombies, hides around the corner, looks down, finds the shirt, and that's how he got the shirt. It's, it's, it's zany stuff like that that is huge left turns where you don't expect things to happen. And it's, and it's like a 10-minute sequence or like a five or 10 minute sequence. So it takes time out of the movie <laughs> to go just to have a guy find the shirt on the sidewalk. And it's hilarious. It kills me. It's, it's that sort of stuff that, that I love, uh, particularly in comedies. I don't really care much for comedies. Like um, most of the comedies that have been released over the last 10 or 15 years 
I don't even bother going to see. But stuff like this where it's this kind of uh, anything goes, the weirder the better, the, the broader the jokes or the, the more silly the payoff, the better. And that's what this type of movie is, and I love it. Um, so just to wrap things up here, uh, there are some more movies hopefully coming with this character. Um, I see Justin Armeo a lot at uh, various conventions here in Indianapolis. Um, seen him at Days of the Dead, seen him at, at Horror Hound. Um, I, I certainly hope that, that there's a groundswell, especially now that this movie in particular is on um, Amazon Prime. I really, really hope that the other two movies get made because I love this series and I love these characters. And it's it's just it's it's really funny. And if you like this kind of Simpsonsy uh, Adult Swim kind of uh, comedy, then this is really going to to hit home for you guys. So that wraps up this week's Monster Mondays. Don't forget to check out new episodes of Film Seizure every Wednesday and a new installment of Monster Mondays each Monday on FilmSeizure.com, as well as places where fine podcasts are found like SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. Additionally, hop on over to Facebook and Twitter to follow us by just searching for Film Seizure. You can also check out new posts at my website, bmovieenema.com, each and every Friday. So, until next week, stay spooky.